You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovery Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, Josh Clay. And Josh is another uh, multifamily apartment building investor, but he also uh, wears a second hat as more of a retirement investing educator and uh, has methods that, you know, help you uh, utilize retirement accounts to invest in real estate passively. So uh, he has his firm, it's called Walter Maine, and it helps illustrate the power of utilizing your existing IRA uh, and 401k to invest in uh, private uh, real estate deals. And we want to know how to do that, Josh. I want to know how to do that. Um, so definitely interested in this conversation, um, interested in learning more about you. I know Josh holds a portfolio of about 700 units across three different markets. and um, very interesting to learn that he is actually, and we'll talk about what UBIT means on this program, but he created the real estate industry's only UBIT calculator, which um, basically provides investors with their take-home returns after taxes, you know, if you utilize an IRA. So, so Josh, hopefully I, that bio did you justice, and if not, <laughs> tell us more about yourself. Thanks for having me. No, that, that uh, just about took care of it. So, uh... Yeah, I, a lot of folks might be wondering why, um, I guess, a 30-year-old is talking about retirement accounts. Uh, that's kind of the main question I've, I've gotten in the past. But uh, I started my first Roth IRA when I was 16 years old. Um, so I've been doing it for about half of my life. Uh, my mother and my grandfather were both uh, CPAs. So they kind of gave me that, they instilled that future uh, minded, you know, the, the values of, of looking out for your future. And so I had some camp counselor money when I was, I was a kid and uh, I earned for the summer and I just put it into a Roth IRA and I got started investing in what I knew at the time. And so that was, that was really nice. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward a few years from there and, uh, and the, my grandmother or sorry, my grandfather and my mother, who I just mentioned, they actually both passed away. And so what that did was it left me with the retirement packages of kind of a, a baby boomer and a greatest generation member. So I needed to figure out what to do with the, the retirement accounts, uh, how to preserve their legacy, what they'd worked on for their entire lives and, and make sure that I didn't just blow it all on, on the first thing that I saw coming across the table and, and, uh, and just blow it up. So uh, it took a while to kind of Put all of that together into a package and that's ended up what i built walt main into it was everything that i had learned in the last few years excellent so what are some of the vehicles that you're using to invest in your multifamily deals like what's a self-directed ira yeah so uh not everyone you know really realizes it but a self-directed ira is the same as an ira it just invests in different stuff uh you know your ira that you or, or even your 401k that you have, they're typically held at custodians that focus on equities like stocks and bonds and ETFs and things like that. And uh, they're just not set up for alternative assets like real estate or even Bitcoin or other things like that, gold. Uh, so it's just, you need to move it into a custodian that can actually take care of those other types of asset classes. And um, I personally like to advocate for checkbook control. Uh, as an investor myself, I, I went through the process of finding uh, all of the different 
account types that that work the best and there's two types there's the custodial accounts and there's the checkbook accounts and custodial accounts are you just move it to you know our, our current iras they're at schwab or vanguard or tiaa you know you put it in a custodian that can take care of alternative assets for you a checkbook control adds a second layer to that um, and it provides a lot uh, it, it lets it be a lot more nimble and it actually reduces the cost even though there's a second layer to it so at the same time that you create the new custodial account you actually you there are service providers who will do it for you so you don't have to do it yourself but uh, there is an LLC that's established at the same time and so the custodian account ends up investing all of the money into your LLC your LLC then gets to have a banking account and uh, and you're actually able to then manage that checking account from there and and I like to say that you can find a deal at breakfast and fund it by lunch it's all you need to do is you just wire the money um, you know with a custodian it can take a couple of weeks with a checkbook account as long as you know what you're doing uh, you you just find the deal and then you send the funds once you've verified that it's the investment you want to go forward with. Interesting. So how do you set up a, a checkbook account as compared to a custodian? Is the process easier or harder? What is that? You said it's quicker, obviously. So yeah, in my mind, it's it's the same. Uh, you know, you're just working with a different service provider. So if the custodian was a service provider, it's someone who's going to open an account for you. You find a, a company that will open up both a custodial account as well as this uh, the LLC and take care of all that, the backend stuff for you. Uh, you're just working with one company essentially uh, and then, you know, working on a couple different pieces of paperwork behind the scenes, but uh, it's no more complex uh, to open up. Uh, it, it typically runs timeline wise about two to four weeks to open it up and uh, and you can actually open one up for as little as three hundred fifty sixty dollars and and recurring fees can be as low as one hundred thirty five dollars so um, there's there's not a lot of overhead all of your money ends up going into the investment as opposed to uh, to a custodian and uh, and you can transact as many times as you'd like uh, it's not based there aren't any fees based on how many times you actually transact yeah, that makes sense. It's very interesting. So you're saying that you can use existing retirement accounts to transfer over into the checkbook account and you can use that to invest in real estate, correct? Yep, exactly. So you can use your self-directed or sorry, your current IRA, 401k, a 403b, anything like that. Uh, the only caveat I should mention is um, you need to have what it's called, what I like to say is like in your control. Uh, so if you've got a 401k that you have with a current employer, there's a good chance you can't actually use that because your 401k has rules surrounding the uh, the entire plan that say you have to keep it at the administrator. Uh, it's worth taking a look at though because some plans allow for what's called an in-service rollover. I should caution you that there many don't, but if you know if you want to try to use it, you can give you know ask your administrator and see if uh, they allow for it. But other than that, you need to have uh, you know it needs to be from a past employer or an account that you set up yourself and it's now in your control and you can actually go ahead and move it to a new custodian. God, it makes sense. So the reason why these are set up for the most part is that they're tax deferred vehicles. So what type of taxes are involved when investing in real estate, specifically multifamily that you might incur using, you know, an SDIRA um, with checkbook control? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a lot of folks uh, view the retirement account as a completely tax-free vehicle. And uh, and there are kind of, there's really two main vehicles. There's the self-directed IRA and the solo 401k. And the solo 401k is if you have self-employment income. If you do have a your money in a solo, solo 401k, you actually do get to have a completely tax-free environment. There's, there's no taxes you need to worry about there. So um, take a look at that if you're self-employed and you don't have to worry about this next bit of the conversation. But uh, if you do have a self-directed IRA, you actually have to face um, a couple, uh, two different concepts. So uh, the IRA is, you know, when they built it, it was supposed to be an incentive to, you know, tax defer your dollars to grow them for your future. And so when you invest in multifamily, you're investing in a leveraged asset. And so what happens there is let's say we buy a property with 25% uh, equity and a 75% uh, or sorry, 75, sorry, 75% is uh, leverage. Well, so yeah. your IRA is the equity. So 25% of the income that comes in, you're never taxed on because that was generated by your tax deferred dollars. But when you're bringing in outside non-tax deferred dollars, you have to pay taxes on the you know, the non-tax deferred dollars, the money coming in from the bank. And so if we've got 75% leverage on a deal, uh, that means that in the first year, we're probably going to be taxed on about 75% of our income. Uh, Now, the nice thing is you can actually use 75% of the depreciation of the, you know, operating expenses, expenses, the interest expenses, things like that. So um, you can make use of some losses to offset the income uh, and help to minimize things. And so the income that you earn in this scenario is called unrelated debt financed income, UDFI. Uh, and then when you end up having to pay the taxes after you've offset you know, decent portions of that income, it's called uh, uh, unrelated business income tax, UBIT, or uh, some people call it UBIT. And so uh, you have to be cognizant of these types of things. And when I got invested or started investing, in multifamily with my retirement accounts. I really had to nail down this topic and figure out which investments were exactly uh, perfectly aligned with the retirement account because some uh, opportunities aren't as, as perfectly tuned to the needs of our of a self-directed IRA and, and some are. And so I've been able to kind of pinpoint that. Got it. So can you explain a little bit more about the impact of, of UBIT? You know, what does it do to returns, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about UBIT and it's kind of this broad term. And and so what I I did was I actually created a UBIT calculator. So for a a given deal, if, you know, most, most operators provide projected returns, um, you know, I'm not, I'm no CPA, so they're not guaranteed numbers, but I can kind of give a rough ballpark of what the, uh, the projected taxes would be if you're investing with a self-directed IRA. And so I've been able to take the calculator and run it through numerous deals and kind of take a look uh, case study wise, you know, which ones were, were the best for uh, best fit for our, our self-directed IRA. And so what I've found is most often, if you're investing in the, in the right um, opportunity, you're looking at uh, the first three to four years, you're actually going to have uh, enough losses that will, that will offset your income. So your UDFI, UDFI you know, it's, it's going to be high, but the losses offset that and minimize your UBIT. So I've found in most deals for the first three to four years, you actually don't pay any taxes on cash flow. So that's really nice. Um, the other thing is the big tax comes in on capital gains uh, when you when you have you know proceeds from a, a sale or a refinance or something like that. So uh, when that happens, it is a pretty significantly sized uh, tax bill on a hundred thousand dollar investment. Uh, it can be somewhere in the range of twenty to thirty thousand dollars on the return, but 
it's that, that sounds pretty big and prohibitive, but when you actually work it out to the annual um, production, uh, you know, most uh, opportunities range between an 18 to let's say 20% return annually. Um, and that's just hypothetical, but uh, most UBIT returns uh, end up taxing or taking off about four to 6%. So if it's, let's say a 20% return, you're looking at somewhere between uh, something like a 15, 16% return still. So, um, you know, it's worth taking a look at still, obviously it's not, uh, you know, it, it would be optimal if you didn't have any taxes involved, but the nice thing is you don't get any taxes if you don't have any gains, the more gains you have, the more taxes you have. And that's kind of the situation we all live with anyways. So uh, it's worth taking a look into. I think it's still a, a great investment opportunity for the retirement account investor. Um, and it's not the, the incredibly gigantic prohibitive uh, concept that a lot of people pass it off as. Interesting. So <clears throat> I guess, I mean, you're, you're kind of talking about all the reasons why multifamily, is there anything specifically about multifamily just being a good fit in retirement accounts? Is it more because, you know, the, the, the longer term nature of it? Um, just because I know some operators, you know, they'll get in there, they'll, um, you know, increase the revenues as much as they can, decrease the expenses, and then sometimes they'll get a refinance where they're pulling out everybody's equity, right, in a year. So then they have the flexibility, hopefully, as long as most of the investors are okay with it, to kind of hold on to that asset long term. So um, I guess you mentioned, you know, a little bit about short term. So is the IRA a little bit more towards if an investments, let's say, longer than five years, like how? You know, how would you advise your clients to consider using cash over the, you know, solar 401k, RA, whatever the mechanism may be? Yeah, you, you've kind of hit the nail on the head here. It's um, there's there's kind of that um, that concept surrounding return of capital that you need to take a look at. And because, you know, you, you have a, a larger tax bill when there is capital gains. Uh, you need to be aware of how frequently you're going to have capital gains. So if you're only looking at deals that will last two years, then uh, you know, you're going to be paying UBIT every two years and it's going to kind of start to add up and stack up. I personally, through all of this, have found that the best opportunities are looking for deals that are, you know, mid, it doesn't really matter how long they end up going, you know, hopefully they're a little longer. Um, but the goal is to look for deals that are focusing on a value add concept where they refinance halfway through and actually are able to return capital because a return of capital is not a capital event. So you're not actually getting taxed on it. So I like to look for opportunities where let's say it's a five-year hold in the third year, they're going to refinance and return 50, 60% of capital. Um, I try to focus on those because you get back, let's say if you put in a hundred thousand dollars, you'll get back about $50,000 of your own capital. You can take that. That's a minimum investment in another opportunity. Go put it in another investment and you can kind of start to snowball your opportunities a lot faster that way. Not worrying as much about UBIT, uh, you know, until you have to pay it. But in the meantime, you're actually getting involved in multiple opportunities. Exactly. And that's the power, like you said, using the power of leverage. Um, so you talked a little bit about your journey and, you know, you mentioned there was uh, inheritance and you were, you know, left with multiple IRAs and really didn't know what to do with it until you kind of navigated what to do with it. Um, can you kind of talk about your experience with multifamily? What are you focused on at Walnut, Maine? And, um, you know, what markets are you in and, and, and where are you seeing opportunities? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at Walt Domain, I, I generally, uh, we focus on the typical uh, opportunities that a lot of folks do, and it's uh, value-add components for uh, you know, class B, C-plus type of opportunities. And uh, we look throughout the Southeast, throughout the Sun Belt region, um, and we're, we're directly targeting 100 to 250 unit properties. And, um, you know, I, I, we have a property in Lubbock, actually two properties in Lubbock, Texas. It was a portfolio deal. And so that was really nice because you can take two, um, in that opportunity, we were able to take two different properties that were not, um, they weren't directly operated together at the same time before, prior to sale. And so when we were able to acquire them, we could kind of combine them into one overarching op, uh, property, essentially, because there were two blocks apart and share maintenance fees and really drive up the economies of scale there. So um, it, it's been pretty fruitful that way, uh, which has been nice. And uh, my family has been, you know, I, I have two sisters and, and you can imagine that, you know, when I received an inheritance, they did as well. And so we invest together all as a group and, um, you know, we, we should mention, um, you know, disqualified people at some point here, but uh, we, we invest together and uh, we're able to kind of diversify across multiple opportunities. And it's something I advise a lot of folks to do. And you can kind of combine retirement accounts and get involved together. And, you know, if there's, let's say, a $75,000 minimum, you can each be in for $25,000 if there's three of you and uh, and be diversified even more greatly that way because you're involved in more opportunities than you probably would have been able to just all on your own. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and you mentioned um, disqualified person. What is that? Yeah. We'll, so uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, sure. When you are investing with a retirement account, uh, there's a few people that you really can't get in business with and you yourself are the first disqualified person. So um, you can't buy a, let's say a rental house with your retirement property and then rent from it because you could give yourself a favorable you know, rental rate. Um, you can't buy a, uh, a single family property that you wanna flip and actually provide any uh, sweat equity into the property. Uh, all income needs to be passive. You can't benefit from your IRA or your retirement account in general and your retirement account can't benefit from you as well. So uh, even if you're staying in like a Airbnb that you own for free, that's prohibited. So those are prohibited transactions. There's a lot of stuff that you can't do surrounding that, but just keep in mind, and it's one of the reasons that I immediately put our accounts into multifamily, all income in a retirement account needs to be passive. So you can own, earn things like rental income, capital gains, interest income, um, but it's pretty limited. So multifamily is a purely passive game for limited partners. And so it, it kind of aligns really nicely. Um, in terms of other uh, you know, uh, prohibited folks or disqualified people, there's, it's gonna be uh, linear ascendants like your parents and your grandparents and linear descendants like your uh, children and your grandchildren. And that actually includes all spouses at those levels. So any in-laws as well as your own spouse, if you're investing in an opportunity as a limited partner uh, with your retirement account, those people actually cannot get involved in the deal as well. Um, so at the same time though, you can actually get involved with your brother, sister, cousins, aunt and uncles. Um, which is really nice. Um, but overall, your retirement account, you need to think of it like it's a completely different person altogether. Um, but because it's a different person, you need to think that your disqualified people 
their retirement accounts are actually different people as well. And their retirement accounts are not disqualified people. So that means that you can actually, let's say with your spouse, you can both invest in an opportunity with your retirement accounts together. Those aren't prohibited. So you can actually combine those into a single holding company or just invest in deals together uh, at the same time and, uh, and pool your money together and be able to kind of amplify the leverage that you have as a family. Got it. Okay. And that's, and how long has this, that rule been around? The, the rule surrounding disqualified persons and, you know, it's, you know, the, the IRA was established in the seventies. So, uh, I was built, you know, in, in that structure back then. Right. Um, and do you see any foreseeable changes to IRA laws and 401k laws? Um, you know, obviously we're recording this in the middle of an election. Um, you know, if, if, if that does go the other way, um, do you see any of, any of this changing potentially? Um, or have you not really thought about it? I'm just trying to wrap my audience yeah. around that too. The, the big thought behind a lot of it is, is folks are pretty weary over the Roth component of things. You know, there's, you know, you, you pay taxes now and then theoretically you're never going to pay taxes again. You can earn all your earnings are tax free. And then when you actually, um, you know, pull the money in, in distributions, it's tax free. And a lot of folks say, I just don't trust the government. I think they're going to end up, you know, taxing those distributions. And um, if you think about the Roth uh, structure, you're paying taxes now. And so uh, the government is focused on tax income now. So they really like the Roth IRA uh, to kind of continue because it's incentivizing folks to pay their taxes now as opposed to deferring them, uh, pay the taxes now, give them taxes, and then put it in a vehicle and we'll worry about it later. Um, and so I really don't foresee the Roth IRA uh, changing. The other two, you know, a normal IRA, a 401k, 403b, all that stuff, I don't see any reason that, um, you know, it, it's actually the mandatory, so a lot of 401ks now, um, they are opt out options. So when you you know sign up with an become a, an employee of a company, you're actually automatically included in their 401k. And so this this new concept of opting out as opposed to having to opt in has really grown retirement packages and really stabilized the country um, because we now no longer have to worry as much about pensions, which are starting to drop off. Social security is being less reliant or less reliant on social security as a result. So I think the um, the country as a whole really ha has a lot of incentive to promote these types of accounts to uh, to get people to focus on their future and not rely on the government's, you know, hand. Oh, that make, makes a lot of sense. Um, if you had just one piece of advice to individuals looking to invest in real estate um, using this method, I mean, how important is it to uh, start as early as you can uh, just because of the, you know, the Roth limitations. Are there any limitations? Is this, it's just still the income limits that exist for the Roth. If you're trying to, you know, invest as a limited partner into real estate, do all those still exist? Yeah, exactly. I, the the self-directed IRA and the IRA, they're the exact same thing. It's just they're held at two different custodians. And so it's it's the same structure. It's just invested in different uh, asset classes. So yeah, you still have those same components in the backdoor Roths and the mega backdoor Roths and all those kind of like loopholes. They still exist and you can still uh, do those with a self-directed IRA. Um, you know, you should be cognizant of kind of all the things that surround it, like the disqualified people and the prohibited transactions have been talking about. And um there's, there's a little bit of a learning curve to get started with retirement accounts. Once you have 
I swear it is it is like putting on train taking the train wheels off your your bike it's uh you know you just kind of go from there it's just kind of treated like cash you know exactly what you can and can't do with it and if especially if you're a passive investor it's pretty simple and seamless to, to go forward with it so just take the 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 day it takes to educate yourself on this topic and what you know what your limitations are surrounding it um, my website walltomain.com provides a lot of um, you know a, a kind of a curriculum of, of videos and and it's you know Altogether, it's about 30 minutes of videos that teach you the entire subject. And once you have it down pat, uh, you're, you're really good to go. That's awesome. Well, definitely, definitely check that out. Um, and as ter- in terms of using the checkbook control method and then or setting up a custodian, um, is the, the investment is still is, you know, I have I do very similar business as you I have participants in my transactions where you have to actually show them verification of the investment, et cetera. Are they able to invest in any other vehicles outside of real estate or is it typically up to the custodian or like you mentioned, you know, with the checkbook controls discretion, what they can, they can invest in because, um, you know, they do ask. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's really pretty few limitations in what you can and can't. Uh, once you go beyond those disqualified, you know, prohibited transactions we talked about, um, there's only a few uh, limitations to what you can invest in. There's collectibles like art, jewelry, or cars. Um, there's life insurance, so you can't buy a life insurance policy with your retirement account. And then there's shares in S corporations. So um, that's really about it. Um, the custodians, yeah, they like to verify what you're investing in. And, um, you know, it, 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 it can take a while to kind of work through the paperwork to get, uh, you know, approval for that. With a checkbook account, you actually don't have to get approval. It's up to you and you're controlling it. So, um, you know, you don't have to worry about it as long as you know that it's a, a allowable transaction, you're good to go. That's awesome. Great, Josh. How can people find you and learn more about the retirement accounts and your company? Yeah. Uh, if you go to walttomain.com, I've got the whole learning series as well as uh, I'm offering a free PDF, the top 10 tips and tricks when passively investing with your multi, or sorry, passively investing in multifamily with your retirement account. Uh, and it'll give folks, you know, um, some relatively unknown uh, tools that will help them make the right investing decisions with their retirement accounts. Excellent. Well, check out walldomain.com, download that free ebook, connect with Josh. We'll have that in the comments description on our social media and also on the iTunes description. So really appreciate uh, you coming on, Josh. We'll have to do some sort of webinar after this uh, with you on it and just to educate our audience here because I definitely learned something and, and hope to have you on again in the near term future. Yeah, thanks for having me, Anthony. Thanks, Josh.